Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. People may not always see eye to eye with him, but they will always listen to his opinion. This is The Roy Green Show. This is the headline that got my attention from Global News. Returning ISIS members pose potential chemical weapons risk to Canada. Internal government documents. ISIS members who return to Canada from Syria and Iraq could have knowledge of chemical weapons and put it to use in a terrorist attack, according to internal government documents obtained by Global News. Of course, Mr. Trudeau says that they... uh, We'll do extraordinary things for Canada. So we'll, we'll talk to Tom Quiggin about that later on this hour. The court-certified expert on security and terrorism, who's worked with the Canadian Armed Forces, the United Nations, the RCMP, and there was a war crimes investigator. Tom will be with us. Also, Dr. Zudi Jasser, the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, the author of The Battle for the Soul of Islam, Uh, iPolitics.ca ran a story which revealed that Liberal MP Ikra Khalid, the author of the controversial M103, introduced a religious leader who reportedly supports Syrian President Bashar al-Assad at at an event, and she also gave an award to the head of public relations to the controversial Palestine House on behalf of Justin Trudeau. So since Dr. Jasser, Dr. Zudi Jasser, was asked by the federal government to appear and testify before a parliamentary hearing on M103, and he did. He flew in from Arizona to do that and was insulted by a liberal MP who called him an extremist. Since Dr. Jasser was asked to comment on M103 by the federal government, I thought we should ask MP Khalid to engage Dr. Jasser in some conversation and debate. So I called uh, Ikra Khalid's office, spoke with her assistant, And she said, thank you for the information. Why don't you send an email, which I did. We haven't heard a single word back. So we'll talk to Dr. Jasser about that. Now, the story that's dominated internationally is the story that developed in a Starbucks in Philadelphia. And I won't need to get into all of the details. You know it by now. But what we're going to do in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to Ron Miller, African-American, associate dean at Liberty University, He's the author of Sellout, Musings from Uncle Tom's Porch. And we're going to talk to Tom, uh, to Ron, about something that he he brought up uh, maybe a year or two ago in a conversation we had then. And it is about the conversation every African-American father has with his son about police. So we're going to do that. But just for a few minutes before we talk to Ron, have a listen to... Rashawn Nelson and Dante Robinson, as they spoke about the incident at the Starbucks in Philadelphia to ABC News. Dante, you both walk in, you get a table. Rashawn, how long was it before you asked to use the restroom? Uh, Immediately, as soon as I walked in. 
and uh, she stated that they were for paying customers only, and I just left it at that at that moment. And the response was, you have to buy something. Yes. Then you go and find Dante. You're at the table. What happened next? Um, we're at the table. We sit down. We're just talking amongst each other. Um, she then comes from around the register, asks, you know, walks up to us, asks if, uh, you know, she can help us with anything. Can we start with some drinks or water or something like that? You know, for when we have bottles of water with us, so, you know, we're fine. We're just waiting for a meeting. We'll be out really quick type thing. Um, and that was it. So approximately 4.35, you arrive for a 4.45 business meeting. According to 911 accounts, a call was placed at 4.37, approximately two minutes after you arrived, to 911. What did you think when you saw police arrive, Dante? You can't be here for us. So when they do approach you, what do they say and how do you react? Well, initially, as um, soon as they approach us, they just say we have to leave. There was no question of, you know, was there a problem here between you guys and the manager? You know, what happened? When you were arrested, did they tell you what you were being arrested for? No, not at the time. We wasn't read any rights. Nothing. Just double lock, handcuffs behind our back, and escorted out and put into a squat car. Why do you both think that store manager called 911? Well, you, Robin, you're asking them to um, have an opinion about somebody else's intent. The facts speak for themselves. There's not a single witness that says that these young men were misbehaving in any way, and you can see and hear that on the video. That was the lawyer for the two young men speaking as well, and they again are Rashawn Nelson and Dante Robinson. You know the story by now. And uh, I want to talk to Ron Miller about this. You can find Ron's website at ronsreflections.net. His book is Sellout, Musings from Uncle Tom's Porch, and he's an associate dean uh, government studies at uh, Liberty University. We've talked many times about well, about very sensitive issues and issues that have uh, caused people some personal anguish and caused some tremendous societal debates. Ron, it's good to have you back on the program. Always good to be with you, Roy. What do you make of what took place at that Starbucks in Philadelphia? I can only respond to what I've seen and heard, and I'm, I'm disappointed because... Um, it appears that a presumption was made about these gentlemen and their presence in the in the restaurant um, that led this manager to act as she did. Um, again, she's not speaking to anyone, and as you heard in the interview, the lawyer's not allowing the gentleman to offer their opinion, but um, I will confess this is the first time I've ever heard uh, that people can't come into Starbucks to have a meeting or do any one of a number of things. I've, I've, I know of people who essentially set up shop there uh, to get work done, to, to have meetings and things like that. And there may be something in the books that says that you have to buy something, but uh, even if they, they didn't, if they weren't being disruptive, I'm not really sure that it warranted calling the police. Mm-hmm. The, um, uh, I think in, <clears throat> excuse me, I think of that particular Starbucks, and it's not a it's not a chain-wide policy, but in that policy store, the policy is you can't use the washroom, the restroom, 
unless you buy something, which I've always considered to be totally ridiculous. If you need to go to the restroom, let people <laughs> go to the restroom. I mean, I, I was just thinking about that because uh, I can go to your uh, local fast food restaurant, and sometimes when I get out of the car, the first thing I do is go to the restroom before I place my order, and nobody impedes my progress. So, <laughs> Yeah, nobody calls the police because you go to the restroom before you get, you get in line to order something. It just, it's, 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 it's banal. Now, I watch the show called Live PD. It's on A&D. And it follows six police departments in the United States. And I'm quite surprised at the number of times police use handcuffs. Uh, it's almost almost every stop they use handcuffs, um, like traffic stops. And the distinction is made between arrest and detain. And I was never so aware of the trespass issue until I started watching this show a few months ago. And they'll get a call from someone uh, in a business establishment saying someone's here who's disruptive or we don't want them here, and the police go. And then they take that person aside and they say, look, you have been uh, designated as a problem by this business, and so now we're issuing you with a trespass warning. If you go back, we will come back and we will arrest you. So understand that. But never have I seen a situation where they just walk in, slap the cuffs on somebody, and walk them out. It was, it was, Ron, it was bizarre to watch that. It was disturbing to watch that. It is. And, you know, when you consider the fact that they're, they're explicitly stating that there's not an arrest taking place, still, to the per, uninitiated person watching this from afar, they don't know that. Mm-hmm. All they see is someone putting handcuffs on someone, and that's dehumanizing in many respects. Um, it just makes people think, oh, they got, a, they got another one. Somebody did something wrong. And um, what did they call it on, in some t- TV shows, a perp walk? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you about the conversation you had with your son about police after we take the break here. But did you talk to your son about what happened in that Philadelphia Starbucks? And if so, what was his response to what took place? Well, we did talk about it, and he just kind of rolled his eyes. <laughs> It's almost as if he he wasn't surprised by it, um, which kind of, again, that's kind of disturbing to me because for our young people today to just presume that that's how things go down means that the cynicism of this generation toward a very fundamental part of our government, the, the, the people who are supposed to uh, help protect us, uh, that, that that's not a good attitude for our young people to have toward law enforcement, and, and speaking as someone whose brother has been in law enforcement for decades, um, you know, I, I think it's a problem. We, we need to somehow repair that, that, that rift, that cynicism, and incidents like this just add another brick to that wall that's going up. Okay, hold on please, Ron Miller. Uh, Ronsreflections.net is uh, Mr. Miller's website. And uh, his book is Sellout, Musings from Uncle Tom's Porch. He's an associate dean at Liberty University and teaches government. Um, We'll talk more with Ron. And uh, about the conversation that he had with his son, African-American fathers have with their sons about relations with police. It was a tragic situation, terrible situation. Was it last night? Um, Maybe the night before. Two police officers 
shot to death as they were having uh, dinner. Somebody walked out past the window at the restaurant where they were eating and shot them while they were having dinner. It's, it's, uh, it's also very disturbing. We'll come back. Stay with us. You're only as good as your word, and he stands by his. This is The Roy Green Show. As I do with all of the stories that we uh, cover on the show, uh, do some research. We all do that in talk radio. And I went back and looked at some uh, some stories from Philadelphia specifically and from restaurants and cafes. And I saw that in 2015, there was some consternation over the fact that a barista at a Starbucks in Philadelphia, I don't know if it was the same one, but at a certain bar- uh, um, Starbucks in Philadelphia, a police officer was denied use of the restroom because he was a cop. She didn't want a police officer in the restaurant, and uh, Starbucks apologized to the police officer. Um, Ron Miller, ronsreflections.net. So, Ron, when you, uh, when you have that conversation with, as an African-American father, with your son about police, when do you have the conversation and how's it structured? What's the message to your son? Well, you reach that point where your son is clearly not looking like a little boy anymore. And in fact, um, it gets to a point where he's old enough to where he could be mistaken for a young man, even if he's in his teens. Uh, my son in particular, he's a, he's a big kid, six foot three, um, about 270 pounds, has been that uh, size for a while. And he's a very well-mannered, very gentle person. But if you see this kid approaching, um, he's very serious-looking and can be very intimidating. And I recognize that that can put some people on edge. Uh, And particularly when we talk about the conversation of how you interact if you come into contact with law enforcement officers. And... This conversation has been taking place in various forms or fashion over decades. But the gist of it is to say that if you're ever pulled over by the police for any reason, um, first of all, always make sure that your hands are visible so that they can see that you're not a threat. And always be respectful. Yes, sir. No, sir. Um, Listen to what the police officer says and respond accordingly. Just and don't make any sudden moves. Um, and it's really a, a matter of wanting them to make sure that they there is no misunderstanding in these encounters. Because if you look at the things that have happened, um, particularly uh, even in the recent years we've had these incidents, you could always see that there was a miscalculation or a misunderstanding, or somebody reaching for something without... Um, notifying them, uh, or someone just being indignant because they felt that there was nothing that they'd done wrong. Um, For better or for worse, the individual that has the uniform on also has the ability to use lethal force. And I I think that that's something you have to take into consideration. I I want my boy to come home. 
Does that make sense? It does make sense. I was about to ask you whether you think that that's more of a concern for you than it might be for a white father. You know, I don't want to be presumptuous because um, I don't know what um, a young white teenager's experience might have been. Um, I, I just know of circumstances talking to other people where um, being a, a person of color has engendered a, a certain level of, of mistrust or suspicion. I mean, I, I've had moments in my life where I've experienced it, where I've been out in public in a situation, and people reacted to me not because of any knowledge they had of me, but because I was a tall black man in a place where they thought I shouldn't be. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever shared you uh, with you the story that I have in my book about how I used to be uh, a runner, and I, I lived in a nice neighborhood in Florida, so I'd go out running every morning. And there were a couple of times, uh, once where an older man who would see me coming would start swinging his walking stick violently in front of him, back and forth, back and forth, until I ran by him, and then I would turn around and look, and he'd stop swinging his stick. It took a few other passes until he realized that I was a regular and wasn't a threat to him, and he stopped doing it. And then another time I was cooling, cooling off after a run and walking behind these two women, both white, and as I fell in behind them, quite a distance away, they kept talking to each other and looking back at me and, and doing this repeatedly as if they were concerned about me being there. And I remember, it was one of the few times I could remember this anger boiling inside of me. And as they went on their way in their direction and I turned to my house, which was right on the corner of this neighborhood, it was one of the largest houses in the neighborhood and one of the nicer ones, I felt like yelling to them, you see that house over there? I own that. Uh, so it's it's frustrating to think that uh, we're still in a time where people will look at you and draw conclusions about you without you even doing anything and that's kind of what i see with this whole uh starbucks incident if they had been disruptive or or disrespectful in any way um i can see somebody um, calling but Ron, I, I always appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us, and I really appreciate it today. It gives us a perspective, a different perspective, an important one on the story that we've all been talking about for the, for the last week plus. Thank you so much, and, and uh, we'll have you back real soon. Thank you. My pleasure, Roy, always. Take care. Uh, Ron Miller, and it's ronsreflections.net. Check it out. Check it out. When we come back, ISIS returnees to Canada could pose a threat. What a surprise. Well, to all of us, except the Prime Minister, of course. Tom Quiggan will speak to that. Stay with us.